Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Highway with Kyle Shutt. I am Kyle Shutt, and I got a real treat for you this week. We got Chris Cole on the program, everybody, the face of skateboarding. We had a ton of fun making this episode for y'all. If there's a problem in the world, we got to the bottom of it. It's a bold statement, I know. If you like what you hear on the program, please follow where you can follow. Smash that subscribe button, and if you want to go one step further and help us out, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehighway, where you can get early access to next week's episode, even get yourself a shout-out, like, who do we got this week? We got Adam Pomerantz, thank you, Adam, thank you, Max Moraski, thank you, Greg Owen, and extra special thanks to Aaron Bevel, who's a friend of the show. He has his own podcast called Crossing the Streams, which is really fun. It pits two artists against each other every single week. If you need some more content, please check that out. And we have to give some mad love to our sponsor's Heil Microphones. If you like the way I sound, it's because there's a Heil in front of me. I love giving shout-outs to our badass fans. I love giving love to our sponsors. But you all know that I only got one true love. And that's doing things my way. The Highway. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Nothing, dude. Just hanging out, playing with this little mini Rubik's Cube, actually. Hell yeah. How <laughs> how many is it? The Rubik's Cube? It's... Yeah, oh my how, God. how many? What is yeah. it? Hold on. One, three, three, zero, nine. Uh, shit, I don't even know. That's really tough. <laughs> like the size of a, a dice? Like like a, like a six sided die. Oh, I thought you said how many is it? I was like, wait, how many squares are there? Uh, um, no, no, how I many mean, is it? It's super I, tiny. I, it's like a dice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that sounds infuriating. Uh, Chris Cole, everybody, the the Cobra. Uh, yeah, ex, extreme sports uh, enthusiast. You're you're the face of extreme sports. If I'm uh, if I'm not being too modest. Oh, that's nice. Um, thanks so much for being on the program, man. I really appreciate oh, it. Uh, we actually met through. Uh, a couple of different friends and uh, you would always come out to our shows in San Diego and it was always a pleasure to see you. Um, it's uh, one of my favorite venues actually to the Belly Up Tavern. Yeah, you guys play that um, Belly and, Up and, every time and I think it's uh, famed for its its sound, its acoustics. That Yeah, the whole place is made of wood and it's not that big relative to the... Uh, I guess the size of the acts that play there. Like whenever we would play there, I'd look at the calendar and be like, next week is 10,000 maniacs. And after that, it's like Lyle love it. Like it's just, there's all over the place. Like with the, the genres. You're, you're and, right. And it really is. You know, what's actually really interesting about that place. And you've probably heard this before. <clears throat> so the owner of belly up is Goldberg, the wrestler's brother. And yeah. Whoa. And he's, uh, he's a very wealthy guy. And he, um, who is in Rancho Santa Fe, and he actually booked Paul McCartney to play there just as a private gig for like people that he invited from the community. Good lord! He also had the Rolling Stones play there the same way. How much does that five, run? Five five million <laughs> is what I heard. Five million. I knew a guy in Austin uh, who ran a club called the Belmont that brought in. Um, prince for somebody's birthday it was like some rich guy's birthday Damn. party he wanted prince to play and for a million bucks prince played two acoustic songs and that was it and then left Dude, that was- <laughs> how do i get that job <laughs> i know like my god because a, a bunch of people were trying to crowd outside the club to see if prince whenever prince would arrive and a limo pulled up with a truck behind it and then a bunch of people got out of the truck and built a huge like walkway barricade from the limo to the front door of the club so you couldn't even see anybody get out of the limo like it was Dude, impossible what to, to get a catch i know i love it i think I that's beautiful what a good story that i that you've gifted <laughs> me i have that now <laughs> oh my god well um i mean you're obviously the world famous skater but uh at, at the at the beginning we all get into music and stuff uh, and that that's kind of how i got into skating when i was younger i was never very good at it uh, the music kind of took over for me but how did you get into skating was it through watching skate videos and stuff or video game or was it more of like a um um, you know, like a just thing in your community that was really prevalent. Well, it was really popular for 
you know, the eighties, it was really, really popular, especially the late eighties. Um, mm-hmm. eight, 1989, I was obsessed with skateboarding, like obsessed, obsessed, but I didn't actually have a skateboard yet. I saw somebody skate past my grandma's house. I was like looking out the bay window, like nobody to play, <laughs> nobody to play with. And like, just like between watching wrestling and riding my bike and stuff, I was like looking out the window and this dude skated by and he looked so fucking cool. Like he looked so cool. I was just like, dude, what? <laughs> that thing? He's like, he's just kind of like, like laid back, kind of looked like the long haired uh, bully from the Simpsons. And yes. yeah, and I was like that dude, I want to be like that guy. And, uh, and so I started like reading all these skate mags and I was getting them out of my, uh, out of my school library and renting them. Uh, and they were way older than the current mags. So I was already at like a deficit. So I was watching all the, or I was like looking at all these magazines that were super duper cool and influential to me, but they were a year or two years older than what it currently mm-hmm. was. And when I finally got a skateboard, I realized that in 1989/90, everyone quit. Everybody quit skating. And it was like this mass exodus where I looked around like with my board, like I ran out front, like I got it. And like, it's like tumbleweeds, you know, you hear the good, the bad, the ugly, and there's just tumbleweeds. And you're like, where did everybody go? And so I skated alone for the first two years of skating. I skated 100% alone. Damn. Yeah. And, but I was so addicted the moment I, the moment I'm sure you have this with guitar, but the first time you played like plush by stone double pilots or something, you, you got that, like, damn, I can make whatever sounds I want to hear at that moment with my own hands. I'm in, I'm done. Oh yeah. That was huge for me. Yeah. Guitar was, was my whole life. And kind of like that, I, I played by myself, you know, in my room for years before I even, uh, found anyone else who wanted to to make a band i grew up in a really small town in west texas so yeah that was really difficult and uh skating there was actually it was a uh, quite a healthy skate scene this would have been in the sort of mid to late 90s kind of the the tony hawk games i think had um you know brought that back to the forefront a little bit with mm-hmm. some people because uh, not everybody could afford a guitar and stuff like that out where we were but skateboards mm-hmm. were relatively relatively cheaper and, um, and there's like that community anyway. aspect to the, to the skateboard too yeah. like where you you can like customize it to look like you and say a bunch about you, which everybody really mm-hmm. likes. That's why we wear brand stuff. That's why we dress the way that we dress. We, we want to give off an image to other people of, of who we are. Like our individuality matters a lot. And so you get to do that with a skateboard, customize it. And then you show up to a skate park and you hang out with people and stuff where you're <clears throat> like a very polished and well, like, grounded human being which is actually a bizarre thing a lot of times with with very good musicians because you do sit on the side of your bed by yourself practicing over and over and over in these formative years when you're when you're normally like learning how to talk to people you know yeah so it's That's it's interesting <laughs> that like you're so good at it I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, it's, I've always uh, really uh, gotten a lot of influence from just talking to people and, and seeing everyone's uh, different points of view on just about anything, really. I mean, I, I love, um, there's nothing I love more than sitting at the pub and having a pint and just like talking with whoever comes in, you know, yeah. and uh, that's always being in a, being in a band and touring all over the world for so long. Yeah. It just, I just got to be really comfortable talking with complete strangers and, and even, you know, to, ending up in some pretty hilarious situations that I would have never ended up in if I would have never just, you know, been as affable as, as I think I am. But, um, not that I'm patting myself on the back, but it's just, it was one of those things where I just saw the rewards of, um, treating everyone equally Yeah. instead of putting up this wall between, you know, your fans and, and you. And, um, I've, I've, I've tried to take that as far as I can. I've seen bands do it, uh, every way that you could do it (laughs) yeah well i mean you have to live uh, with it too so like if it's not you like you have to live with that so if you're like you know this is what i'm supposed to be like where i'm like 
putting the fans as a lesser importance than some than somebody else and I'm not going to gain anything from this if that's not who you are you then are like stuck in that sarcophagus yeah and it's it's not for everybody but um but but coming from that place is unfortunate but yeah. um Truth. What are you gonna do? You, you got to let everybody live their own life. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, getting getting around to um, to the Tony Hawk games and stuff, especially early yeah. on, uh, which you what you were in. How, how how was that? Seeing yourself being able to play yourself in a video game. Did you ever do that? Because the sword kind of had that with the Guitar Hero games and stuff, but we were never actually fleshed out in the game. Well, I, <laughs> so, I guess you know? yeah, it, it's it is a trip. So, it's a like I'm jumping through windows and shit like that, you know, and like busting like 50 foot backside 360 methods, uh-huh. um, in the game. So it makes more sense than you playing a guitar. That's not a guitar to a song that you wrote with your hands and actually play for <laughs> reals. I found guitar hero to actually be very hard for me to play because as a musician, yeah, it's actually if you're playing your song, you realize how unintuitive it is if you're at all musically inclined. Yeah, is it the same with the skating? Or? Well, yeah, absolutely. One, it, it absolutely <laughs> is. But like skating doesn't. Skating does have a rhythm, and so it's natural that musicians and skaters have a similar brain. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're playing Guitar Hero, for instance, you have to forget about like the hopping beat of boom banana now banana do to do you have to forget about that and you have to start shooting space invaders and that's it so yeah you shoot it's, the it's space exactly it. you got to turn the music off it's it's such a weird concept because you're like okay stop listening to the music just look at the dots and hit the, the buttons you know? that's right <laughs> and the music will keep playing and it's it's yeah. super weird you know like that and they did a great job and funny story is i actually won a guitar hero contest um which is embarrassing which is so stupid but um (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't like a drinker and i went to uh i went on thrasher's king of the road with zero and the finale like where you drop off your tapes and stuff at the end of the trip to get judged there was like this party going on sponsored by Guitar Hero. And so I showed up to this party at this bar and, you know, it has all these different sort of rooms and shit. And one of them had a Guitar Hero, like, or there were a couple of rooms with Guitar Hero set up. And so I just sat there because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't drinking and stuff. So I was just playing Guitar Hero in a corner. And then this dude comes up and he's like, hey, dude, you won. And I was like, what? And it was uh, Marcus Henderson ended up being a friend after that um he did the guitar tracking for like they'd have to do guitar tracking to cover all the songs right so yeah he did that in those early yeah those first two games yeah it was all it wasn't like the actual songs put into the game that's yet. right yeah it was like one guy that yeah, did it all so he was the dude and uh and i won this guitar hero contest and i'm shit at the game it was just it just came out <laughs> and no one had it but i had I had bought it right before that trip. So like I played it like three times or something before that. And then everyone else is trash. Yeah. So they can't play. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> I, who knows if anybody else even did play. I was just like the only one. Oh God. Just like the unfuckable dude That's... in the corner playing guitar hero. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Oh God. Um, it, it's funny thinking about, just the the music and and the skating games because I found about uh, I found out about so many bands from those early Tony Hawk games. Yeah. But there was this um and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in the late '90s, kind of early 2000s, the music and skating it was it was kind of like skaters were into punk rock or hip hop, and it wasn't really so much like a rock and roll kind of thing. Like there were weren't many yeah. skaters listening to actual rock music and or, or playing it while they would perform mm-hmm. or, or anything like that and um and i know you're a rocker i didn't know if that was like kind of an evolution thing or have you always just been straight up into like like skating listening to rock and roll um it's it's really funny because i 
you know, you dress how the times are or like your influences in skateboarding, you address how they dress mm. or you address in what you had because you didn't have access to other stuff. So right. I was dressing like my favorite skaters would dress, which was like hip hop basically. But mm. I was always listening to a, a vast vari a variety of music. My brother, um, when we were young, was uh, obsessed with Danzig. And so he got like every CD from every band that Danzig was ever in. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking sick. And so I listened to that stuff growing up all the time. So when I was wearing this super baggy, like, you know, Echo jeans and shit, I was listening to uh, like Best of the Beast and... <laughs> you know like all sorts of like all sorts of like heavy shit dead kennedys and stuff but i just didn't look like it was it. the 90s man shit yeah shit was weird yeah in the it 90s. was totally weird so i just didn't look like it and then eventually um as i started like right around um 17 to 19 ish you started this i started to realize like i can start catering what i wear towards how I feel and who I am. And that was like mm -hmm. a big epiphany. And that's when like, you can kind of see it in video parts. You can see like the spiked bracelet come in and the logos aren't like, even though the stuff is, is baggier, the logo is more heavy metal for that brand, but I'm wearing that one stuff like that. But yeah. music was so, so influential in that time in skateboarding and skateboarding was influential to the music because like you said it's tony hawk games that changed music it changed those bands lives because they were now selling out massive concerts because of like that one random you know static x song totally you know that or i mean even even with uh, on the guitar hero angle like the sword was a band that never had like a radio hit or uh, uh, any, any kind of like thing like that, mm -hmm. you know, like a, a just a massive song that took us above and beyond. We had some fan favorites and things like that, but yeah. with uh, Guitar Hero, like that Freya being on that game, like that put us in a million homes, you know, like before Christmas that year that it came out yeah. or whatever. And, you know, that was a huge for us being able to reach as many people as possible in, in the post post MTV world. I thought it was really cool that you were in that game just because you know you understand how you know david bowie gets in there and, and a bunch of a, a bunch of like super obvious songs will be in there but like somebody mm -hmm. knew music well enough to know the sword it was a trip back then uh because we had submitted for that game i don't remember who asked us to submit or how that particular uh thing came up but we got the track listing for the, or we, we asked our lawyer to inquire about it. And mm -hmm. then we, we got the track listing back and we weren't on it. So we asked him like, Hey, just ask him one more time. If, if they think they would have some room for us. And I, that must've worked or something. I don't know why, because they accepted the song after that. And then when we saw the actual, you know, box came out, it was like, you know, Scorpions, yeah. Ozzy Osbourne. And then like us, uh, priestess. And I think Wolf mother were like the three kind of current bands yeah. uh, that they had, put in there and uh yeah a bunch of people thought we were some old band from the 70s that they'd never heard of like some thin lizzy kind of cast so off like, what, what, a, what a nod but you know i know it's it like great. we did it, it really fellas <laughs> we nailed it <laughs> and they actually um we were included on a tony hawk game uh project eight uh, was the one I think they put Iron Swan on that one and uh, the, the way we found out about that was sort of backward we had a friend that was uh, a quality tester for video games and he called really? us up saying man that was so cool that uh you guys are in the new tony hawk game and we were like what so <laughs> it was like we we need, we need to make some phone calls real quick yeah like how did this happen <laughs> but, but we got to the bottom of it it's fine Every, everything else like the trailer park boys say it's all water under the fridge you know that's <laughs> uh, yeah that song is so heavy too it's like seriously like it i understand why the sword moves on to play different songs 
as as the band and the humans progress in it you know like and not want to play just those heavies sure. like like relive groundhog day forever there's but i never went to a sword concert until it was like trace brujas you know so i wasn't mm. i wasn't getting winter's wolves you know i wasn't <laughs> i never got yeah it. we we played a lot that we get that a lot uh and all i can say is that yeah we we played whatever you know thousands of shows and and just when, when you do it for so long uh just non-stop you kind of lose track of things like that be like oh yeah there's maybe there's a thousand people here but 900 of them haven't seen us yet and they never got to see those old songs even though we've played this town you know a hundred times totally and played all those songs yeah so i don't know you, you don't really think about that but yeah totally uh, and maybe 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 one day soon we'll we'll hit the road and and bring out all the old it just it seems like it would be a really um cathartic at a certain point like it would suck if you did it too early and you're like yeah you know we yeah. didn't really let the the hits from you's future ring out but we're back playing you know this one random jam from like yeah. you know, back in the day but like if you hadn't played it for so long and then the energy from the crowd when you do would be worth it you know that was kind of the mentality yeah i'm hoping that it could we, i mean we were going to do that but now it's been even longer after the whole world has been dealing with uh, this yeah uh, insanity yeah it's the people are going to lose their goddamn minds dude uh, for <laughs> whenever real we finally do get to go back like oh, that God. tyrone biggums uh david chappelle skit where the dude's head explodes in the back you know <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we shall see what uh what's it been like because i know you're you're still out skating and hit, hitting spots and stuff uh because it's kind of a getting a band together is it takes so much you know like logistical totally. kind of like planning and all that stuff but just like how has it been just being able to like pick up your board and go hit some spots or anything like that is it uh how's, how's the skate scene been reacting to the it's pandemic? really it's crazy um people have been forced out of their routine and forced out of just doing what they do and so so many people have started skateboarding again picking it back up, um, picking it up for the first mm -hmm. time even, but a lot of people rekindling it because they're stuck and they're bored and they're like, dude, what do I do? I've, I've beaten mm -hmm. Netflix. I've beaten the internet. What do I do? And they started <laughs> skating. So what I noticed was a, the freedom to go skate is, is huge. The fact, especially street skating where I can just go outside and I can do it wherever. And you're outside, you're totally. in the sun, vitamin D, um, open air. It's it's pretty hard to contract COVID when you're skating, right? Like right. It's pretty when you're 10 feet up in there. It's, it's pretty difficult. <laughs> like, I mean, they shut down skate parks for a while. And we're just like, no, you know, yeah. don't. Which is a weird, weird thing because it was like something that people could do. And you really aren't like like shoulder to shoulder with people at a skate park unless you're a complete asshole and so <laughs> um, <laughs> and so then after they opened the skate parks i started to go to um you know the best local park and the moment i went there i was like dude it is so damn crowded let me go to the other one that's not as cool as this one right that one uh -huh. was crowded and then we went to like the shit park that like no one goes to and it was crowded. And so every single park <laughs> is Lord. at capacity every day because that many people started skating again. And so supply chain issues have been an, has have been a thing where board companies can only get X amount of decks from the manufacturer per month to sell because it's like boards are selling like crazy helmets are selling like crazy it's like just going nuts that's wild it's all it seems like the uh, the vinyl industry right now it's impossible to get anything right. pressed within it with i mean it used to take you know three to four months to get your records pressed and now they're telling us like yeah we'll get to it in six months i don't know we'll let you know and it's just like oh my god it's it's, they have all uh, the power. it's wild what what's happened yeah and and also there's only so many manufacturing plants 
That's right. So it's not like you can just go down the street to another one. Are there only? Is it kind of like that with skating, where there's only just so many places that actually source Pre- decks? Precisely. Um, there's only so many wood shops, and they deal, especially good ones. Um, they deal with yeah. everybody. Like if you know you get your vinyl press from these people because that is, they have the they have the best colors, the swirls, the the the, mm-hmm. you know, the best quality product that you know that you can rely on you are then held by what their capabilities are. And like, I, I've heard that about the vinyl because uh, Liquid Death does an album called Greatest Hates. And it's just, it's mm-hmm. it's like punk rock and metal actually played by real musicians. And then the lyrics are the hate comments that people put on social about, Oh shit! Yeah. It's, <laughs> I gotta it's check super that out. Brilliant! You should totally guest on one. But I would love um, to. They were talking about the supply chain issues of getting vinyl pressed, and it makes sense. It's a nightmare. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's it was same with skating. Like a lot of people have picked up the guitar. Uh, also and so like guitar companies are sort of running into that like wood sourcing issues and stuff like that but mm. then all the also just the bands that can't tour anymore are trying to everyone's trying to put out some sort of product yeah to to just keep the interest going or just, just to keep the in- income stream up which was already kind of dwindling anyway so it's just it's, it's just getting harder and harder to be it gets saturated uh, an artist that makes a physical product so that's uh, hence the podcast thanks for listening everybody yeah you uh, know what it's, it's important <laughs> to support the musicians that you love because it's it's rare that you don't have a song stuck in your head and even if it's like save the best for last vanessa williams you should support that Hell yeah, I fully fully endorse that comment. <laughs> uh, I wanted uh, I wanted to talk to you about um, BMX a little bit because you do ride as well, and I know there was sort of a, a skate and BMX uh, rivalry yeah. for a while, and and I feel like you were one of those um, sort of just big names as far as the crossover went. Because like in Austin, we're, we have tons of tons of skaters, but also like tons of BMX huge there too, like BMX. Uh, Chase Hawk, uh, uh, my friend. Dean Dickinson, he he lives in Portland now, but he was in Austin for a while and and everything like that. So, um, what? Why was there a rivalry to begin with? Uh, it was just kind of like a, like a West Side Story kind of thing, you know, like just dude, <laughs> like West just, dancing. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> West like walking and snapping and dancing, but um, right, yeah. you know, <laughs> so the the beef really came because of pegs and pegs wrecking ledges from what i know oh, um that's okay. that's where it kind of like stemmed from and then also um being very tribalistic i don't even know if that's a word no that's a i i get but, it yeah like you you pack off into your tribe and in skateboarding a lot of a lot of skaters are you know, teenaged. And so mm-hmm. when you start skating, you're a teenager and everyone sucks, right? Like your skater, your <laughs> skaters are skaters of the shit. You guys are rad. Everybody else can fuck off. And so yep. as you grow up, you realize that the, the BMXers are doing the same thing that we're doing. Just they have a different apparatus. Some people can go straight. Mm-hmm. Some people can go sideways. And you kind of pick the thing that you like the most. And they're out there doing tricks, getting wind in their face, and like having their goals set for them where they're, you know, they learn this trick, and then they're trying immediately to, to, to do it better and, and sharpen that knife that is their craft. And once you realize that, you're kind of cool with most things. Yeah, I see. Yeah, that. and also plastic pegs now, so it's like a, a big win for wedges. I didn't know they had plastic pegs. What are, are they? Uh, do they do they break it's very easily? Sleeve. Is it a very so? Oh, okay. it, and dude, it's crazy how strong those those plastic sleeves are. Like, dude, they're gnarly. Like you would imagine, like a PVC pipe. You if you put that over your peg you'd crack it and like it rip off instantly yeah these things are durable that's yeah, awesome they're tight i got them 
<laughs> what, how do you um how, how do you ride bmx are you more like the street like kind of like ground rider or do you hit the bowls and stuff like you that? you know i would love to be um i would love to be somebody who could do flat ground but it's like in skateboarding mm-hmm. the first thing that you do is you learn how to ollie and you learn how to 180 and you do these things on flat ground that's like how you get good mm-hmm. and then in bmx it's like doing flat ground just straight up like hop whips or bar spins on flat is gnarly like that is like real shit like you have to be good i know it looks weird Uh, do you know um henry he he plays with a band called house of lightning he was in that band floor for a long time he lives in florida he's um he's a a flat ground rider and the stuff he does is mind-blowing to me i'm like how do you do that on a bike dude it's pretty (laughs) wild and those guys are strong as hell like it's crazy yeah. to whip a bike around and like hop and just get the type of lift off to to throw bars and not have your nose dive down and stuff like the dudes are so damn strong and uh it's funny <laughs> when they go to skate they have to learn how to be loose because they all have BMX body which is like really stiff muscles that are like too strong for skating and you have to you have Word. to be able to like be strong but only turn that on at like these key moments. Mhm. Is it kind of like the difference between like snowboarding and skiing sort of? I mean not this the, the same or Probably. whatever, but I just mean like it's I've done I've done both. Really? And it's funny cuz like skiers and, and uh snowboarders kind of had this like rivalry too, but it's it wasn't until I uh snowboarded that i realized i was like oh it's just because we have to turn different like everything about it like all the physical movements and everything are just so different that you end up getting in each other's ways a lot oh dude i mean that's actually a pretty astute situation i I never really thought about the the ski thing i always just thought was just a, a cultural difference like who decided to pick up like what because they thought this looked corny or something like that I'm sure that's there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny too because I I've never skied, and I didn't snowboard until I was like properly a sponsored skateboarder riding for a brand that also was mm-hmm. owned by a snowboard brand. So they like hooked me up with a setup and stuff. Like that's when I started snowboarding at like, mm-hmm. like nineteen or something like that. So it's it's still relatively new to me but it does make sense like the you get in each other's way with like the difference of of carving and speed because a lot of times skiers go fast dude yeah and like if you're going straight downhill yeah in a snowboard you can't you can go straight downhill but it's it's very difficult that you don't really have a whole lot of control yeah that edge catch is like pretty quick when you're going that fast Uh but uh but yeah i mean dude if you run into a biker at a at a park it is just Oof. it's a mad max vehicle it's got all sorts yeah. of things to hurt you the the pegs on the front the bolts the the headstock you can hit your knee on just the spokes and anything. the human yeah. Ugh, so you're like you're worried about like the bar ends <laughs> but the human being behind it is also coming at you i've actually knocked out my front teeth on a bmxer's helmet before Ugh! I was just gonna ask, like, what what is your hospital uh, like uh, list just of injuries like a mile? You know, long? <laughs> it's 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 decently it's it's decent, but usually you don't get stuff checked out, like because you kind mm-hmm. of like have a pretty good um, temperature gauge on these injuries, and you know what they're like and what they compare to other ones. So a lot of times I won't go. And then there have been times where I have gone because I'm convinced that I that I've broken stuff, right? Uh-huh. Um, like I smashed my I smashed like my eyebrow actually underneath my eyebrow against the edge of a ledge going like full speed, just like Ugh. just Superman fly right into like orbital socket on this ledge, and um, oh, and I was basically like whisked to the to the emergency room and like probably unconscious for a while but you don't know when you're knocked out usually um uh-huh. so you know they x-rayed my head and 
I thought for sure, like nose broke, orbital broke, and no, none of it was broke. And then my my Nothing. forearm was like humongous forearm, like thigh sized forearm, and it was purple and black. And I was like, I broke my forearm. You know, like I hit it against something like super hard skating. So I was like, I definitely broke it. Went, got it x-rayed, not broke. Ugh. You know, so you're like, uh, it's, sometimes you just have no damn idea. You just got rocked. Oh my yeah, God. But then I, I like, that's ridiculous. I fractured like my, I don't know if it's, I don't know which one it is, tibia or something. It's the outside bone on your leg. And uh, didn't mm-hmm. get it checked out, you know, and yes. like just didn't skate because it like hurt. And and then like <laughs> the bruise didn't go away. It's still there. Bruise is still there. And, uh, oh, and this wow. was uh, for like basically 14 years ago. And oh, my God, you know, I got something else x-rayed and they're like, hey, it looks like you broke your leg at some point, too. It's like, OK. Ugh. My form wasn't, my head wasn't, but that thing I didn't get checked out was. It makes me wonder. I'm, I've actually never broken a bone, knock on wood, but I always wondered what it felt like if you'd know if you did or not. That's hilarious. You're just like, oh, yeah, I'm it fine. depends I on the my leg depends just on the bone. <laughs> There's certain stuff your body's super good at. Like, I was uh-huh. always worried. Like, what if you have internal bleeding? You wouldn't even know. No, you totally know. You mm-hmm. immediately go into a fever pitch, and you're like sick as shit like you immediately get sick so with broken stuff on the inside usually your body goes into like i think i'm gonna puke Mm -hmm. it knows oof yeah oh god (laughs) um every time uh jimmy the drummer of the sword every time we would be off tour on breaks and stuff he would try to get me into uh riding bikes and i they uh a friend of ours uh who passed unfortunately uh scotty mescal Mm -hmm. Shout out to Scotty. We miss you. Um, he uh, had made some phone calls and got me a bike, oh, actually, uh, and a, a little uh, a little shadow uh, bike. Yeah. And um, we, we, we would meet up at a, at dawn uh, at the skate parks just before everybody would get there and just uh, ride for a little Sick. bit. And uh, But it would always kind of freak me out because Jimmy, we used to call him Crazy Jimmy No Brakes because he got no brakes on his bike. And he would just do these insane tricks and stuff. But I'd be like, Jimmy, we got to... We got a tour in like two weeks, man. Don't uh, <laughs> don't break anything, please. Totally. So I was always terrified that he was going to break his arm or something before we would hit the road. But um, yeah, I guess that's a fear. being being a pro skater, it didn't really. There's no pressure because you're expected to get hurt. But did right. you ever uh, play music? Did you ever want to be in a band and, and play or, or do anything like that? Yeah. Um, so like I I play music currently. Like I I, I mean I I learn your songs and stuff like that um, as as best yeah. I can, but certain bands like the sword um the dudes that the dudes that dig the sword are knowledgeable and they don't really tab out all your shit you know what i mean like that's that's it's true. not as easy it's not as readily to it's not as uh easy to find the actual like you know solo to this specific song and stuff like that because mm-hmm. It, it's it's supposed to be intuitive it's supposed to be like a feel thing that you find and you bend and you you figure it out yourself and that's what I found but yeah I do I do play music I always had that that itch and that feel and that drive but skateboarding was the was my full passion that I ended up going into but once your hobby and passion becomes your life you then have to find new hobbies and passions and um and so my the dream that i have is being in a band and being good and like playing shows that's a dream that i have now <laughs> want to be in a band uh, definitely want to be good <laughs> yeah well, definitely want to play shows do you, uh, i mean had you played with anyone have you, have you ever like jammed um yeah, but not really. Like the idea of playing uh-huh. with other people is really nerve-wracking to me. Um, but I have just a little bit and it's usually just sleazy guitar tracks, you know, like unskinny bop yeah. and shit like that with uh my friend John. Nothing wrong with that. Like he'll just hop on drums and we'll play Talk Dirty to Me or something. 
That shit is so fun. God, I miss playing with other people. I've been, uh, the, the pandemic, you know, obviously forced us all to sort of isolate and stuff yeah. like that. So I've been doing a lot of my own just audio engineering by myself, my own just cover selling. And you can do remote jams or I whatever. Where, like I'll record these tracks and send them to you and stuff like that. Thank you. But uh, it's it, uh, not saying that I'm not grateful to have that opportunity, but God, it's so unsatisfying compared to being in the same room with your dudes uh, your your people, you know, and just um, creating that magic in a space and creating that energy that's so much more than just four or five people, whatever, you know, uh, making noise on their own. Uh, yep. I, I, I I so can't wait to get back to something. I, I, I've given up on whatever no, normal is like what right. <laughs> just whatever the new thing is. Let me know when the new thing is here and then we'll we'll address the situation when we get there. I just want to play music again with 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 people and yeah and uh, wield that power. I, I miss it What's so much. What's the deal with like drive in movie theaters? Like how come comedians do that and bands don't? We uh, OK, I have a few theories on that, yeah. actually. Um I've I've tried I, I tried to book a show but at the end of the day it just it, it, people in bands you know being in a band is like having four different significant That's others true. in your life and and everybody's got their own opinions everybody's got their own needs mm-hmm. and wants and things like that and so to get everybody on the same page in the first place is really difficult yeah. you throw a worldwide pandemic in there it's even more people are very either deep in their paranoia one way or the other or they're just have different yeah. different needs different you know financial situations who knows you totally. know so it's um, getting everybody to get on the same page to agree on a performance like that that's done in a socially responsible way and everything like that it's just, it makes it 10 times more difficult than it even used to be uh, with comedians it's one person you get right. up there and you tell your jokes and also um at i don't know about every comedy show i'm sure there's it's happened once or twice but at most comedy shows there's not like crazy mosh pits or or anything like that music is this very um tribal thing that brings out this instinctual animal in us all and just Mm -hmm. makes some people go absolutely ape shit you know that that, and and i think expecting people to either remain in their cars or to sit at these four top tables while a rock band gets up there and just tries as hard as they can to devastate a crowd it's (laughs) It's asking a lot of people to just sit there and enjoy it, uh, and I yes. I get that, you know. I had to um, describe it, a mosh it's... pit to my daughter yesterday. <laughs> How old is she? She's uh she's eleven, but I was like, oh okay, yeah, like she's she'll she's, get it. She's pretty big. She's definitely been to shows. She's never been to one of your shows because you guys play the belly up, and that's a twenty one plus place, and that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um she's been to shows so she's she's seen pits like children of bottom shows and stuff like that but um but yeah describing it she's like why would they want to do that i'm like um you know some people just that's how they that's how they let their hair down that's how they get out the aggression and you know like <laughs> it's true i'm like watching kyle's hands while he plays and other people are just losing their shit you know what i mean that's just a different yeah animal. yeah it's I've I've never been the mosh kind of person, but uh, it's 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 crazy to witness a room full of people doing that. Uh, we played a show with uh, Lamb of God one time in Spokane, Washington. Okay, and it I've I th- I'm pretty sure we were playing the Black River, and I looked up, Sick. and f- it was a sold out show. It was front to back, side to side. Every single person in the room was moshing. I had never seen an actual like. Like thousand person mosh pit before, it was totally ridiculous. It's so funny because I immediately (laughs) pictured the moment that it's going like, like the in the city on the high breeze. Like, I get it. (laughs) I fucking get it. I wish I were there. (laughs) I know. I know. When I was, uh, uh, I think I was thirteen or maybe fourteen. I got to see Pantera, and yeah, like. I was doing pretty good on the floor of the the Coliseum where I was watching him, and then uh, Dime started playing the opening riff to Walk, oh. and I the the place yeah. just turned into a cyclone, and I knew I had to get the fuck out of there because I was gonna die if I tried to like hold my own in that pit. I just I turned around and I just ran for my life. Dude, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. You're just like, okay, I gotta get to the back at this moment but i think i lost a shoe <laughs> at one point i had to like go back for my shoe i was just like i'm out of here man Dude, oh, God. I, I went to a code orange show that had like 
Oh God, they're yeah, brutal. It, it, I swear to God, there were like felons in that mosh pit. Like there were serious, like <laughs> like there were mean people out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. That's a, that's a that's a good way to put it. Like y'all are angry, uh, and I don't know why. Yeah, like, uh, hey, <laughs> like you're, you you're definitely not into this music as much as you're angry at something. Yeah, like, else. <laughs> hey, you like you like this band too? Let's fight. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, it's so true. It's so true. They, uh, yeah, they, they, I, I, they might be the heaviest band around right now, dude. Uh, yeah, because uh, Shade is uh, their guitar player. He's, uh, he's a Reverend guitar player as well, and uh, we, you. we ended up playing a lot of festivals together and stuff. And uh, yeah, just, I, I got to see them quite a bit, and I just remember just thinking like, I, I don't know if there's a heavier band right now. I used to think Torch was the heaviest band. That's dude. That's so uh, funny you say that because I was about to say, well, I mean, Torch is pretty heavy too. There, uh, especially back in the day, back in like oh eight around then, that you couldn't be heavier than Torch. It was just your only. Uh, option to compete with them uh, not that it's a competition but i just mean like the only way to like stand out was to just write a different kind of song you know like you just you couldn't out heavy that just, band like, how they did they actually achieve it because like okay for instance like grenade by torch like uh-huh. there's a there's a chugging part that i swear to god it's every single person is just they're basically playing the same but not the same so like yeah. You hear the drums like beating, but you also hear the bass chugging with the drums and the guitars going at the mm-hmm. same time. But it sounds like there's like, I don't know, like four truckloads of the same shit happening at the same time. It's just that was their secret. Yeah, it's just pummeling. You know, it's just you just kind of line those notes up and just go for it. There was, I mean, you in music, sometimes that sounds rude, but you got it or you don't. You know, and they they have it. Whatever that is, they got it. Yeah, because you, you know, can muddy uh, that up pretty quick, where it just doesn't sound like anything, and you're like, oh, "What do we do?" Yep. Like we, uh-huh. like it sounded like something, but a little bit less, and so we added a little bit more, and now we sent, we hear nothing. Uh huh. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Hard job. Hard Music. job, man. Love it. I love it, man. Dude, I could talk to you for hours about this, man. I, I, <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on the show, dude. Uh, what do you got uh, What do you got cooking up next, man? Is there anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to let people know about? I know you're riding for Zero yeah. and uh, you That's... partnered up with Liquid Death and GoPro and all that. But uh, what, what's cooking? Well, I mean, we're all waiting for this pandemic to kind of chill out. But, I mean, on on the ride of of skating and just everybody's rekindling the love of of what they what they once had so we're just releasing a bunch of stuff that we know that people have missed and wanted you know for so long and Mm -hmm. it's it's really fun so that's kind of like what's on the horizon is just giving people what they want and continuing i i film with the zero dudes all the time and i constantly am like on that mission so we'll see where that takes us and but mm-hmm. releasing all the all the old stuff that people loved from their childhood makes me really happy and then for everybody else that they didn't even know existed because they started skating recently and so it's not even a reissue to them it's special to other people and then it's just a a new badass graphic that they're like damn this is cool looking so mm-hmm. it's it's kind of fantastic with with how um, social media and how we all digest information nowadays. It's so fleeting and it's so quick that uh-huh. you know people that started you know listening to heavier music in the last four years ha- have like no idea that Barrels Blade exists, right? And so. Yeah, I always say that. Yeah, every year somebody turns eighteen and starts smoking pot, and they're gonna find out about the sword. Dude, I say if yours is better than mine. Mine is a Green Day reference. It's like Green Day. What is Green Day is awesome already. They just are. But I love Green Day. That was kind of the reason I picked up a guitar is because of the the music video for Basket Case back really? in really yeah, Basket 94 Case is or whatever a great that was. Yeah. riff. 
Like, oh, yeah. that was one of that was one of my first like I can play this and remember it and it's like fun and it and it mm-hmm. sounds like it sounds welcome to paradise same thing um, when you yeah there are certain types of songs where when you play them they voice themselves you can you can really hear them sing uh, Credence Clearwater songs do that mm-hmm. like just the strumming pattern you're like fuck I know that song yeah um, but Green Day is forever popular because there's always eighth graders. Yep. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God. And like eighth- uh, oh, shit. I forgot, I forgot to ask you. I was going to say um, any uh, signature tricks coming up. Is there such a trick as a 420? Or, <laughs> or does that require requires a little bit extra sideways. math? But I... Yeah. You know what would be... <laughs> wait. It would just be like barely over a... Uh, barely over a 360. I'll do one for you and I'll just be like, this is Kyle Schutz 420. Yeah, a, three, a 360 plus another 60. You know, however that, <laughs> however that would pitch I mean, you. Dude, if you yeah, just... if, if you land a 420, uh, I'll love you forever. Dude, <laughs> I got you, man. I'll do it. Hell yeah! Seems like that seems like a well, simple thing to like run out and do on Instagram right now. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, let me know what you do, man. That would be I want to. I just see I'm show. gonna have to tape it oh. off. Like I'm gonna have to get like some woodworking tools out, <laughs> measure it, and then put painters tape down and aim. <laughs> that's wh- that's why it's not a trick. Is because you can't do it when you're stoned. It requires too much math, dude. <laughs> too much preparation. That's, that's right. <laughs> God, thanks so much, Chris, for coming on. Man. I really appreciate Dude, it. It's my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, man. We'll uh, we'll catch up soon. I promise, man. I, we'll we'll be out and about again before too long. I, I got Don't that. Don't you feeling. go fooling me, man. I'm op- I'm optimistic. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for tuning into the highway this week. A big shout out to Reverend Guitars, Railhammer Pickups, and Earthquaker Devices. If you liked what you heard, you can follow where you can follow, subscribe where you can subscribe, and if you want to go one step further, you can support us on Patreon at The Highway with Kyle Shutt. For a few bucks a month, you can help us keep this party going, get early access to next week's episode, and even get yourself a shout out.